we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Gadeau, Matt Penn, Randy Rich, and I are broadcasting from Show Creator Studio South here in Las Vegas. On this week's show, we've got Nick Gillespie from Reason.com. He's coming on to beat up Penn for his lapse in libertarianism, and frankly, he needs a good talking to. Here he is, preaching love, <laughs> Mr. Penn Gillette. Oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> I know. We'll go back to Nick Gillespie reprimanding me about libertarianism. <laughs> we were talking about the government's uh, actions during COVID-19. Let's get back to that. Take it away, Nicky, Nick, 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 Nick. There was a lockdown in Vegas, that wasn't there, for a period right. of time. But th- uh, this, this may be speaks to the libertarian thing very strongly. Um, March 12th was the last day of shooting Ben and Teller Fool Us, mm-hmm. uh, 2020. It was the last day of shooting that. Uh, probably, Matt, uh, you, you remember? Yeah, that was that a weird day. Last two days, 11 and 12, Yeah, we were wondering if we should be shooting. At all. Mm-hmm. At all. Our studio audience declined by about 75%. Mm-hmm. People who were going to come in and willingly, and so they people. were like, they're like, hey, something fishy's going and on. And we had they people were, flying in from China. Wow. Yeah. We were going, geez, I don't know if we, we should. Had people from fourteen countries on that season. Yeah, and your theater in the Rio is. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get twenty percent below MSRP for an average of fifteen thousand one seventy eight under MSRP on the purchase of a twenty twenty three Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland four by e or Summit four by e. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You have a sister casino in Wuhan, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so that was, the, that was the 12th. Yeah. The 13th was a Friday that we had off. And the 14th, some of these dates may be wrong, but I think sure. I'm right. 14th was a Saturday. Yeah. And that Saturday night, uh, I, I, I won't over-dramatize and say we were sold out, but I believe we had like 800 tickets sold. Very good night. Yeah. We're coming back after two weeks off, boom, a lot of tickets sold. And there was an article in the Times from France from a guy who wrote what we would do in France if I knew what I knew now, know now right. two weeks ago. Yep. And we were just about, I mean, this is all sloppy and poetic. We were, we were kind of two weeks behind Europe, kind of, sort of. Mm-hmm. We were set to go on Saturday. And I was on the phone that Saturday with Glenn and with Teller for five hours we were on the phone, mm-hmm. off and on, but pretty much a lot of on, saying, should we do the show tonight? And the Rio and Caesars were going, yes, you're doing the show tonight. And tickets were selling. It wasn't like ticket sales had dropped off. Tickets were selling. We went from like, uh, I believe we went from like 700 to 900 during this discussion. We were going, yeah, we're going to do the show. There's nothing's changing. There's 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 no rules from the government coming down. Caesars isn't shutting down. And I said, I don't feel like we should do the show. I just, I don't think we should do the show. I don't think I want to be part of pulling people into that room. We're completely safe, you know, because we can just not do the meet right. and greet afterwards. We're on stage. There's good ventilation. But I remember I was tortured. It was tough. Yeah. Also, because uh, I wasn't sure who to lead the way. Like the NBA was canceling games, but not the whole season. Yeah. Right. Uh, so we they- finally said at five o'clock, uh, we're not going to do the show. And then Caesars was 
unhappy. And I said, well, fine. If, if Caesars wants to sue us for the income for that when everything's okay on Monday, okay. They can, and maybe they're right. Maybe they win and we give them money. I, I don't care. But I, I don't want to do the show tonight. And then I called up David uh, Copperfield, and I said, uh, don't do your second show tonight, man. Hmm. And he said, what, what the yeah. – well, they're not – I said, I, I think maybe – and I called up Piff, and I said, just – Maybe we should start this. We should just do it on our own. Mm -hmm. Start this. And then someone at Caesars, it's not speaking for all of Caesars. It's just one person. And we don't really blame them because no one knew what they were talking about. Said, we're going to shut down everything on Monday, but do the shows tonight and Sunday. Right. And I said, no, that there's no way that that logic makes sense. If we should shut down Monday, we should shut down Friday. Right. You yeah. know, the sooner the better. So everything in the world was functioning fine then. Mm. If you wanted to look at how the world should run, in my point of view, it's that people should care about bringing people together and they should say, we are canceling our shows. We don't really need this. And I don't think, I don't think there would have been, I don't think you would have this, I'm going to go to Vegas and talk to Penjan right. about what the fuck went wrong. I don't think you would even have that thought crossing your mind if I hadn't gotten that email <laughs> that said, lead the anti-mask rally. Right. And if if the word libertarian, and I'm not blaming yeah. people within the libertarian party, if the word libertarian had not gotten sloppified mm -hmm. with anti-vaxxers, mm -hmm. even QAnon, Mm -hmm. it, it, conspiracy theories, it all got sloppified into that where the word became unpleasant. Right. You know, maybe it's as silly as not saying master bedroom. Maybe it's as silly as that, mm -hmm. but maybe it has a little more guts to it. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I respect the process that you were just explaining there and things like that. And I, I guess, um, and I'm not asking, you know, this isn't where, you know, to go back to the Apocalypse Now thing, like I either got to, you know, get you to sign a libertarian <laughs> membership card, which I'm not sure if I have any, but or or else we have to, you know, butcher you yeah. uh, like Brando or anything like that. But at what point, you know, does and I, and I totally get the sense of, you know, a lot of people who call themselves libertarian, I'm like, you know, and I'm not in the business of saying what is or isn't, but I like I know I'm not that. Mm -hmm. Um at what point do you start to, um, you know, question some of the things, you know, now that COVID is, you know, more or less in the rearview mirror, or at least the, the panic period is, yeah, right? Yeah, so weirdly, because yeah. it's not in any way except the way we see it. Well, it's, I mean, there are mortality. fewer. Mortality. Yeah, mortality, mortality is so, yeah, way yeah. down, partly because of vaccines, and I want to talk about that kind of stuff. But, you know, when, you know, it's it's masking, it's not clear what it does or doesn't. I mean, in the New York Times is, you know, every couple of days they're releasing stories about like, oh, it turns out that masks aren't as effective as we thought, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to talk about the early moments of stuff where nobody knows what's going on and a lot of stuff happens. Sorry, and and I just, just to clarify for, for record, but yeah. just because because the contagiousness of the variants also changed. Right. Yeah. And right. that also played a factor in mask effectiveness. I just want to. Yeah, make sure yeah, that that's I mean, out perhaps. there. I mean, but a lot of the mass studies are about, you know, the Delta variant and things like right. that. Or, and, you know, and we do, I think it's worth from a, from a libertarian point of view to say like, okay, we, after a certain point, we knew pretty early on that kids were not as affected by this and they were also not transmitters in the same way. But, 
you know, it's kids took this on the chin more than adults. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, with the exception of most most deaths are people over seventy, and which is tragic and awful. And I know, I'm sure we all know a ton of people who were not allowed even to say goodbye. I choke up right. thinking about this to yeah. their parents who are dying because it's like, no, it's too dangerous. Um, you know, that's all fucked up, but it's like, you know, K through 12. And I think we all have younger children, children under say the age of 25 or under 30, whose lives were the most disrupted on a day-to-day -day basis, even though they were the least likely to get or transmit the disease. Like we should well, I think, think I, about I think, that, I think, right? Like, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think, yeah. I think this is a crazy drastic experiment we did on ourselves across the board mm. and i think one of the things that we were still podcasting through all of it and so right. we had uh we weren't doing anything so we had a lot of philosophical conversations i think yeah the damage we're seeing with children but also things that also make me tough to look at libertarianism is that like wow are we not as grossly individual as i thought before mm -hmm. the pandemic we are so much more closely tethered to our families and communities and, and activities and coworkers and stuff like that, that in an actual, like literal health way that I did not understand before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So it makes me more hesitant to speak so quickly individually about anything right. when I look at that, when I look at my children's lives or my lives and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it's a kind of thing that uh, when you bring it up, it immediately definitely cuts both ways right. as you bring that up. Well, it's also interesting, I mean, because, Penn, your definition of libertarian has never been that, uh, you know, I, I alone run the universe, mm -hmm. right? You've, you've always have talked about, you know, you use the, um, for decades have used the analogy of saying, you know, I believe in, you know, people should, you don't drink, people should be allowed to drink, but they shouldn't be allowed to drive drunk because, you know, so, I mean, you've always had a bounded conception of what libertarian means and what individual rights mean. Um, and perhaps we come out of all of this with a sharper sense of if we're trying to be serious, where we want to give people as much ability to make decisions in their life that matter, but also recognizing that we live in a society. But there's also been, there's this very, very, um, targeted problem with libertarianism when you deal with a virus. Mm -hmm. We got really good arguments for roads. We got really good arguments for schools. Right. That's all. Whether they're accurate, whether they work or not, we don't care. Right, right. But there is a good, yeah. strong argument. When and you, you mean for kind of allowing the private sector yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. We don't know yeah. if it works. Right, right, right. But we got an argument yeah, for yeah. it. And it looks really good on paper, and you could stand yeah. up and make the argument to anybody. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's not embarrassing. It's, it's right. a reasonable argument. When you come down to a virus, you've got this, this huge problem. And we have to, and this is so difficult, mm -hmm. because we have to slice it thinner and thinner from what we knew. So I almost want to go to a to an ideal situation or a worse situation that didn't really exist. But if there is a virus and if there is a vaccine and if there are some people who can't take that vaccine because they are vulnerable, mm -hmm. immune systems, problems like that, or age or even money, right. they can't take that vaccine, especially on the libertarian if their money involved. And if there are people that could get that vaccine and not transmit it or not get that vaccine and transmit it to those people moving freely, 
we come down to what Reddy Rich has said, which is everybody believes my body, my control, mm -hmm. except that nobody does. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, Reddy Rich came in with the example today of uh, we can be very, very, uh, uh, very pro-choice, but when a woman is had carried a baby to eight months and two weeks, how many of us feel really good about abortion then? Right. You know, all those kinds of things. But within the integrity of your body, if your body can be weaponized by a virus to kill other people, uh, I don't think I'm making any sort of argument here pro-libertarian or anti-libertarian, I'm just saying it gets wicked hard. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But this, <laughs> it gets wicked hard. I agree, but this is also, you know, maybe the difference between something like polio or smallpox mm -hmm. and COVID after vaccines or after we have yes. a certain amount of knowledge. So mm -hmm. it's like if we say you have a virus that's going around that's going to kill 50% of the people you encounter, um, you know, is there a role for the government to say, you know what, there's, we have a vaccine that is perfect and that either has no side effects or very few side effects. Is there a role for a mandate in, in that kind of situation? Yeah. I, I believe there is from a libertarian perspective, because again, I'm not an anarchist. Right. Um, you know, and then when you get to a position, I was just checking uh, this morning to make sure I was up to date, 67% uh, of Americans are fully vaccinated against COVID at this point. Two thirds, mm -hmm. the infection rates are very low. You know, we're talking ultimately the infection fatality rate is somewhere below one percent. Um, if you're, you know, if you're in a certain class of people, it's going to be higher than that. It's going to be lower than that, depending on various things. Virtually everybody can get the vaccine, which minimizes the problems. There are some people who are immunocompromised who can't. Now we get into a question of saying, like, you know, do how much do we limit the free movement, the free choices of people in society to protect that small percentage who are immunocompromised? Mm -hmm. um, do we build our society Penis around stuff like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, how, you know, I, I recognize and. Again, one of the things that I think you've always done, which is great and within the broad libertarian conversation, is bring emotionality into it because you're a skeptic, you're a rationalist, you're smart, but you always talk about stuff really, you know, from the gut, which is rare. Well, I don't think that's, I mean, <clears throat> this is going off yeah. a little bit on a tangent, but um, the reason I talk about the emotional stuff mm -hmm. Is so I can have the rational stuff. Sure. You can't buy one without the other. Yeah. And all I try to do is to draw a line there mm -hmm. and say, now I know I'm talking emotionally. I'm talking politically. Yeah. Oh, I think we need more of that. I think we need more of like honest emotionality and all mm -hmm. of, you know, certainly well, what, political discourse. Once you've but, labeled it, yeah. I, I believe you get a pass when you label it. Yeah. Maybe I try to reach for too much of a pass but i i right. do think i do think you deserve a pass when you go i'm going to make my logical right. argument later sure but i want to tell you where it grew out of you know but how do you feel now i mean of like where we are as a country what are you know what are the restrictions coming out of covid that should stay in place and what are the ones that should disappear well, because I mean, uh, you know i i was thinking and uh, one of my colleagues 
um, you know, and I said, hey, I'm going to be talking to Penn. And he said, you know, one, one of the first, he saw you guys live not long after 9-11, mm-hmm. where, you know, you'd built into your act a whole thing about, you know, the, the metal detector mm-hmm. and going through the metal detector mm-hmm. and giving away your rights. And you, you talked about nine, the, the reaction to 9-11. Mm-hmm as in many ways an overreaction well, the, you know, i was just going to say yeah. before you brought that up i was going to say tsa it's my yeah. whole my whole argument on the virus thing is tsa right. my first time flying my first time flying i went to budapest to do a movie um you early. please tell me you were uh, you were doing a command performance for victor orban <laughs> Because overseas, then, you're a fascist. Yeah, yeah. Then, then, then we will yeah. win a lot of fans. <laughs> I, <say. laughs> I was, mm. I was doing a uh, comic book movie. Yeah, I remember being there with all the masks and stuff. <laughs> There's the TSA stuff. Checking for yeah, Bob's yeah. on planes. <laughs> I'm just going. Uh, we should have just said. I mean, wouldn't it have been wonderful if the world had just said, "Okay, now there's the virus." Fuck the whole TSA thing. We're not doing that anymore. Well, the one concession TSA made, like, and you were talking about occupational licensing went out the window for a while. Uh, TSA at one point said, okay, you can bring on like, you know, 50 gallon jugs of hand sanitizer. Other liquids, yeah. You know, it's still it. You oh, can't, flammable hand sanitizer. Yeah, you can't have enough, you know, moisturizer <laughs> yeah. to to wet your cheeks. But you, <laughs> hand sanitizer, just call it hand sanitizer and bring it on. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, I now call napalm hand sanitizer. It does. Yeah. It kills whatever's on your hands. Uh, there for well, yeah. I guess. I guess you know. I think what he's poking at, and as someone yeah. who's been an observer, like Penn, I am the people who talk to you. Right. My libertarian guide was Penn on Penn Radio when I was living in New Jersey and New yeah. York to being in the seat now and being around him. And, and basically, he got co-opted by people who aren't uh, pro-science. And I think mm-hmm. Penn is is more pro-science than anything else. Yeah. More than libertarianism, or, or maybe not more than atheism. But, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, They're the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think I think it was disappointment. Yes? Yeah. I think it was just, it was really just, you were let down by a lack of of, uh, of scientific thinking. Yeah, I, I just... Uh, well, there was, if I may, there's definitely a, a contingent of people, you know, of, of libertarian, uh, I'm trying to come up with the right phrase, of people who designate themselves as libertarian or whatever that went from yeah. being um, anti-mandate to being anti-vaccine. And maybe they were anti, anti-vaccine before COVID. Yeah. Uh, or some or anti-science, et cetera. I, would, I mean, we can just, and, yeah. and this is, this is one of the fun things we do uh, right. on, on my podcast is talk about the, the number of times I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is remarkable. It is almost supernatural. Yeah. Um, I said, and you remember, I said this to you, Matt Donnelly. Yeah. I said, all these fucking anti-vaxxers, man. When that COVID vaccine hits, they just got to shut up. Yeah. No. <laughs> Remember how many times you said yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. That'll just shut them the right. fuck up. And I believed it, Nick. In mm-hmm. Every fiber of me, I just said, yeah. you know, they're going to come up with the vaccine for COVID, which incidentally they did in three days. Right. Which is the most amazing thing. And it could have come to market much sooner without any uh, compromise in health, but yes. for the FDA. Yep. Yeah. That's, I, I, I think yeah. we agree. Okay. Let me interrupt. 
for a second. You know, uh, holiday season is a way of sneaking up on us. You know, there's all this stuff coming down now. I guess my family and uh, people working with me have to take care of it. But if you're a small business owner, you know how important it is to be ready for the insane holiday season. If you haven't started preparing for the chaos of holiday mailing and shipping, you're already falling a little bit behind. Luckily, Stamps.com is everything you need to make your life a whole lot easier. It's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week post office you can access from anywhere. No lines, no traffic, no hassle. Stamps.com is a longtime supporter of the show. We've used their services since 2012, and it is so great. If you're not using, even if no matter how big your business is, no matter how small your business is, no matter if it's just you doing it, use Stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and a printer. And if you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. Rates are constantly changing with Stamps.com's switch and save feature. You can easily compare carriers and rates so you know you're getting the best deal every time. It's your one-stop shop for all your shipping and mailing needs. It's really, really good. I can't believe if you're not using it, just start it now. Uh, anything you got to send out, everything we send out is all done on stamps.com. So get ahead of the holiday chaos this year. Get started with stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code PEN for a special office that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code PEN. Stamps.com. You can't go wrong. Just do it. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. I thought for sure, you know, the Jenny McCarthy mm-hmm. fools you know, the people that were killing children with measles and shit, right. that once this vaccine would come out, you would say right. to, I'm just going to use a, uh, uh, an arbitrary name, Jenny, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to say to Jenny, I thought you were anti, shut the fuck up, stick right. it in my arm. I was sure that was going to happen. Yeah. And when there was a stronger anti-vax movement on that, yeah. see, the thing is, if you're going to call yourself a libertarian and then you're going to say, I have a right to not get the vaccine because Bill Gates is putting a tiny, uh, a tiny chip into me through this to control me and get kitty porn to be done through a pizza shop there. I'm going to say, you know, that club we belong to, that libertarian right. thing, uh, I'm not going to show up for the next meeting. Right. And by the way, this segment is brought to you by Microsoft and <laughs> Petto Island. Pizza. We serve peanuts on the plane. Uh, but you, you know, I yeah. mean, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. It, uh, that's what bothered me. And I mm-hmm. think, and I keep coming back to this, and I'm not coming back to this literally. I'm coming back to this poetically. Mm-hmm. I think when you say, Penn, we believe, and there's 300 of us on this email chain. We believe that you're the guy that's going to stand up 
and tell people not to wear masks. Mm-hmm. On that date, not now when there, we know a lot more, but on that date, I am going to have a strong reaction to that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Did you use cunt in the reply? <laughs> they were like, hey, you know what? Maybe don't show up. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that's, that's really the crux of it, yeah, is yeah. that I want to talk about freedom. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about smaller, smaller government, which is the same right. as freedom. I'll talk about gun rights. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about any of that kind of stuff. But if you've got a term that's going to put me back into that moment where someone's asking me to speak out against masks when, and I, I, I'm not claiming anything special here, right. when people I loved were killed mm-hmm. by the virus, I'm going to bristle. Yeah. That's, that's my only claim. Right. And you have not changed <laughs> otherwise. Like, you still think when something, when you read an article about a policy, you mm-hmm. still probably still think immediately, I bet this can be solved with more freedom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. You know, I think it's hard. It's harder now than ever to say libertarianism as a as a singular thing. Whoever said like we're no longer dealing with a marketplace of ideas, but we're dealing with a marketplace of realities. Hmm. You know, when every single website you go to caters to your leanings, when everything you read tells you to swing one side or the other, it feels like it's very hard to even find a place to put a tent pole down to put a marketplace of ideas up right now. I think that's. But don't you? I mean, don't you feel? And I guess this goes to something I wanted to ask you about because in some of your comments, and I'm thinking you you gave a spectacular um, uh, interview on Big Think on July fifteenth, twenty twenty. It's up everywhere, and that's where, you know, which is early on in this whole process and things. And and you know, what's great about it is like you are uh, you you speak as you think. I mean, you're you don't hide the ball or anything like that. But. Um, in that, you know, I was I was going to say, like, do we you you make some co- you made some comments there and elsewhere about how you had started out thinking, you know, when we got rid of things like the legacy media and whatnot, and we got rid of the guardrails, where ever suddenly the barriers to entry to talking and to you know having discussions and having different types of journalism, different types of media, all of that kind of stuff, that that would be utopia or something like it. And now you're not so sure. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because this, and Matt, to your point, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I can talk and about I, I know from, you know, Reason was founded in 1968. I became editor-in-chief in 2000. And we benefited so massively from the internet. And more than the internet, like the, the, the lowering of the costs of being able to put a message out there and, and gain an audience. It became cheaper. Right. It became easier. And I understand now we're in a very sour, pessimistic period as a country and as a culture. And there's, you know, we're now in a new tower of Babel and there's just too much out there. And it's, you know, there's too much misinformation and disinformation, et cetera. I'm still really optimistic about this because I think, you know, there's a pony in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that my my whole point of view... (laughs) Conveniently, yeah, was written up by Jonathan Rausch, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah, and I mean, uh, Constitution yeah, of Knowledge. Constitution of Knowledge recently. is, yeah. Uh, I can't think of anything better to say about that. Right. I mean the the optimism that you're speaking of mm-hmm. is Wikipedia. You know? Right. How can we do Wikipedia more? Right. And do less of this. And I also, uh, I got to tell you, I I can't completely lose my optimism mm-hmm. because I did not think there would be a rough 
period, with one man, one channel, mm-hmm. to, to quote Fire Sign Theater, yep. you know, when everybody, when everybody right. has a TV station. Right. I didn't think there would be this amount of discomfort, mm-hmm. but there is. Uh, it's kind of what I was saying about, what I would often say about terrorism, which was, this is the death throes of religion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's horrible, but it's actually showing a good thing. I mean, religion, the amount of religion has been going down. Right. Still is going down. And there was that surprising article in the Times a couple of days ago that if you really want to think globally, if you really want to think globally, things are getting better really fast. Uh, We don't have Rwanda. Mm -hmm. And once you have that cleaned up, Ukraine seems like nothing. Right. I mean, it's a it's a much well, smaller thing. Do you feel, and you know, at times you've talked, and, and things are getting better. Yeah. Even this time, and right. we want to be as pessimistic as possible. The world is better, even if the U.S. seems a little dingy. Well, that's what uh, you know. I I mean, part of Trump seems to me to be more the effect than the cause of a breakdown of something. Oh, there's no sure. doubt. Yeah. You know, sure. and well, then well, and well, Biden. I mean, like you know, I think part of the reality that people are grappling with now because you know trump he's obviously going to try to come back you know he's napoleon and elba or whatever you know maybe well maybe won't but you know there's there's not a lot of future left for donald trump in america well no one tried to stop him except mcdonald's they're doing their best (laughs) (laughs) they are really we we got to just give a little credit right there yeah they just keep pumping him the big yeah (laughs) but you know uh, you talk about like executive power, or whatever. Like, I mean, look, no one's thrilled with Biden, right? Um, well, but, but that's more of a sign that we're in a long-term process. Yeah, I agree. That you know, and is is what we're going through in America. And I think Trump, he he couldn't articulate it, but he he was hooked into the idea that you know America may be where England and France were after World War II, where you know they're. Hey, we're world powers, but we really aren't anymore. The world is moving on, and we're still going to matter, and we're still going to be important. But we really can't, you know, we're we're not the center of the world anymore, and that is hard to deal with. And some of the comments I've heard you talk about, you know, are are kind of generational. You know, you're you're getting up there mm-hmm. in age, and the world, like a lot of your references, like mine, are from you know a- ancient galaxies ago in the 1970s. How about and things that, Bob like- Hope? <laughs> Yeah, well, no, you know, one of the things, and I think I picked it up in in Matt's Twitter feed originally, but from a couple days ago, but there's that meme of uh, Penn and Teller being killed in a Sega video game by Lou Reed. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And and I realized to 99% of the people uh, alive today, they are like, none of those words make sense. (laughs) But it's like, I was like, oh my God, that is such a wonderful world. But what I'm saying is, you know, as we get older... We worry about, you know, that our world is in both literal and figurative ways ending. And that's a tragedy. It's a tragedy for me. When I die, no one will be more sad than me. <laughs> but, but it's also like you're saying, you know, the world is getting better. And, mm-hmm. you know, even life in America in most ways, I, th- I, I would absolutely rather be my kids than me. If I had to roll the dice and say, when are you going to be born in the same way? I would much rather have been me than my parents. Yeah. Uh, I think. Oh wow, that's a frightening thing. I think that's. I right. think that's hmm. true. There are few things. Democracy in the United States is certainly being rolled back. What does that mean, though? I mean, people are angry and they fight more. No, no. I, what do you mean? I think what it means is uh, 
the gerrymandering mm -hmm. and the uh, individual control of the polls and stuff like that okay. that may be happening, I think is a step backwards. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we should have been moving away from the electoral college. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the idea that uh, I mean, it, uh, I'm not I'm not the expert on this, but yeah. the fact that a person in Wyoming has 50 times the power of a person in California, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there. I think the only reason we're talking about that is because of Trump, who won one election and will never be. I mean, he he's demonstrated yeah. that he can't win. A, he can't win a majority of America. He's not going to do better in 2024, assuming. You know that uh, you know the McFlurries whether, haven't put them under. Whether right. it's an important thing, yeah. or whether it's not an important right. thing, it's not a good thing. Right. I mean, you can say it's trivial, but yeah. you can't say it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like a, a frustrating thing is like you know, I, I, if I may be a dick here, just like if you know if we're in the 21st century and we created vaccines, you know, effective vaccines against COVID in three days. And you're saying, you know, the real problem is those fucking Wyoming people <laughs> have so much power. I, they have their their cowboy boots on my neck. Absolutely we have right. So what? You are yeah. so correct. You know, you're just a hundred percent correct in that point. Okay. Exactly true. But there, to our listeners in Wyoming, we love you. <laughs> yeah, they're the best because, uh, sadly, though, they don't have fifty percent more spending power. Or, so, so actually, fuck Wyoming. <laughs> Where is it? It doesn't. It's just part of Colorado, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, this is. Uh, there are five yeah. states that Penn and Teller have never played, <laughs> and I want to play them. One of them is Wyoming, <laughs> so let's lay off that. <laughs> is West Dakota one of them as well? Or, <laughs> yeah. No, but so, uh, but I, I do want to point out. I mean, I do think like the world generally and America is getting better, which doesn't mean there aren't many, many things that are wrong. Like nobody should ever say. You know, shut up! Your you know your car has a really good stereo system right. now, and you can listen to Spotify on it while you drive. So shut the fuck up, George Floyd. I'd right? say like, like <laughs> why was George Floyd upset about anything? It's, yeah, that this uh, that's a yeah. bad way of thinking. Yeah, bad. Way. I'd say like at the moment, I, we're feeling more of like the casual optimism that Penn used to instill in me. The cooler heads will prevail. Yeah. Seems challenged. Right. And in a way that's still okay. If you know, it looks like we're going to have to be really huge advocates again. Like, like people we admired in the 60s and, and, and things like that. Like, I think we're going to have to be advocating for women's autonomy. I think we're going to yeah. have to advocate yeah. for separation of church and state. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I think these are, like, I think we have to wake up and be passionate advocates again. Sure. And I think that's where libertarians are more equipped and maybe other people are. Well, that's less kind of, it's kind of funny if you think about it that way, right? Like, yeah. where it's like what we're maybe or what you're pissed off about is like, ah. I, you know, you're the you're John Wayne in the shootist or something. You hung up your spurs and your six gun. You just want to die in peace, <laughs> right? And maybe knock a piece off of Lauren Bacall, who's running the house you're living in. And it's like these fucking guys keep coming for you. Yeah. Right. You can't take a shit. Well, you can't go to the outhouse without somebody trying to to knock you off. Yeah, and it's also that um, the battles that I feel like I have to be part of now right. are not the fun ones. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to be a nut on the abortion thing. Mm. I'm not a nut. Right. I, I just want women to have their right. Yeah. 
that's not a nut position. Yeah. That's not a fun position. <laughs> right. You know, no. it's, it, you know, it's a fun you position. You don't want them to be able to drive, but you do want them to be able to <laughs> No, no, seriously. And can maybe, you know, because one of the things, and but, again. I mean, that's a big deal for me. Yeah, the no, I'm that, not. The yeah. fact that what I'm talking about yeah. is uh, now I, I, I want, I liked when, uh, when I could say nut stuff that was over here. Mm -hmm. And now the fact that there are battles that need to be fought, right? Yeah. The fact that every single libertarian should be aligned with every single Democrat in getting the women the right to their bodies. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, whether the libertarians are going to say the government should pay for da-da-da-da, right. shut the fuck up. Right. We don't want laws against this, you know? Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, in a weird way, it's uh, it, it's kind of inside out. Right. The fact is that uh, the libertarians that share my heart are now with the Democrats on a lot of things. Yeah, as and that feels creepy. What else? Because and and I agree. You know, it's interesting. So I've been a professional libertarian, I guess, since '93 when I joined the staff of Reason, and I would say when I started uh, uh, being pro-choice was every bit as much as being you know in favor of lower taxes yeah, being was, against the draft what was that wonderful there was a wonderful thing that said uh i believe in a married gay couple's right to protect their marijuana crop right with with, with semi-automatic semi yeah, yeah yeah absolutely. there was that wonderful sentence yeah. there that and you know it up. used to be the the t-shirt was kind of pro-choice on everything yeah, right? yeah yeah you know and and it's interesting to me and i respect libertarian you know, people who people libertarian calling people designated people who disagree with me on a lot of stuff and it's it's a surprise for to me how many self-described libertarians are anti-abortion or will say i believe that abortion is murder because life begins at conception um and i you know i disagree with them and i argue with them but it is a change and like the world we live in is different than you know the 90s or the 70s and you you know many things i i feel this way about kind of open borders or or not open borders per se but like mass immigration i thought we had won the battle that it was great it's a better world when people are free to move where they want and live and work and prosper legally i thought we had won this you know debates about free uh free trade which is now you know under attack by people who call themselves libertarians and right-wingers and left-wingers so there's that mm -hmm. And part of it, I mean, is part of it, you know, that you were not expecting to be fighting or, and uh, it's not that you're fighting, but like you, you thought these were kind of settled issues yeah. within uh, something that you thought of as a tribal identity. And now you're like this tribe, I, uh, it's, these aren't my people. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, th I think there was that there was also, I am constantly trying to not, uh, not be tribal. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, it, it goes against so much that's yeah, human, yeah. but I say to my children all the time, I say, you are one of one or you're one of 7 billion. Right. You don't have a choice in between. You're either speaking for yourself or you're part of this whole world. And we haven't even got into the really hairy, hairy things, you know, but I think it's okay to, to bring up stuff that there does not seem to be a, a, an easy solution. Sure. Uh, which is climate change, mm -hmm. which, uh, although I wanted to be doubtful about that mm -hmm. for years and years and years, seems impossible to be doubtful now about it.
that uh, um, by that you mean that human activity yeah. is having an impact on climate. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's pretty hard to deny sure. that now. I know very few people who who do, and then there are questions about, okay, given that, what do you do next? Right, of that's, course. That, that's a big a, argument. That's a, yeah. that's a, well, that's an entirely different thing. Right. But I'm telling you that I wasn't even there. Right. Uh, Until the early teens, right? Yeah. Something. I mean, yeah, you were you were yeah. kind of a late. Uh, very late. Very well, late on can that. I ask you about that? And the, for no, and for, and, and I think just, I just wasn't good at it. Yeah. Um, you know, one of well, I it thought did, I had something better to say. It didn't. It didn't hold, matter that hold. much. <laughs> it didn't matter that much yeah. to you, so you didn't really yeah. pay that much attention, and you were cruising on your default setting. Right, mm -hmm. that's all. Um, you know, you mentioned, and we've we've talked a, a bunch about the late sixties and early seventies. Uh, you you bring up tribalism, and tribalism. The way we talk about it now is always terrible. I think you know. I, I mean, and uh, rightfully so. Like I don't believe that i'm you know i i mean i have my tribes but like when people talk about you know who are you are you a republican or a democrat or this or even libertarian i'm kind of like uh, you know i don't want to be part of a tribe where it's like being in a gang where you know you get beat into the gang and then you have to do whatever the gang wants you don't have any autonomy in it that seems horrible i'm curious you know when i think of libertarianism as a more of as a direction or as an adjective rather libertarian is an, is a, a direction. It's, it's a adjective, it's a temperament. And it's kind of like the way you were saying, and I'm sure I'm getting this deeply from you that it's the default setting is like, let's think about whether or not whatever we're talking about would be better with more freedom or less. Sometimes the answer is no. Mm -hmm. To talk about tribes, um, you know, there's, there was the, the human being, in January of 1967 in San Francisco that Timothy Leary spoke at and Allen Ginsberg spoke at and the Grateful Dead played Why at. Why couldn't I have been there? I was, I was 14. Yeah, you should I should have been, have been yeah. able to get there. You know, um, but it was, it was also called a gathering of tribes. Yeah, oh yeah. And like, was, yeah. can we, maybe this is something that libertarians should talk about more or think about of like, when you say to your kids, you're either, you know, a tribe of one or seven billions. Actually, you can be part of like 10 or 15 different I tribes guess so. simultaneously I guess so. and that tribes don't have to be at war. I guess war. so. I see, you know, um, when you have children and you see them um, start to uh, start to build an identity with what they are, it can, it can make you look at yourself an awful lot. We use windows. We don't use Apple because mm -hmm. windows are the gamer thing to do and if you're oh, all the assholes are not gamers so i we've got to have microsoft on this there's this video game you've got to play and this one you don't and you i hate tiktok but i love reddit mm -hmm. and i all i say and i don't even i think they just think it, i'm having a stroke and mumbling i just go you know rolling stones and beetles you know, we don't, we're the, right. we're the stones. Yeah. Beatles are, oh God, check the fuck up. Right. And I come back to this very often. There's, there's that, there's a book about Celine Dion. What's a, it's got a love in the title. I know what it is, but it was. Oh, uh, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. I know what you're talking about. It, it was by a guy who was a critic, but, yeah, right, but it's right. a, it's a real homage to her. But it's, yeah. but it's much more. Have you read it? No, obviously not. Uh, you yeah. got, you got to read it because, um, he just makes the point that our taste, mm -hmm. the fact that we don't like Celine Dion, right. and none of us do, the fact that we don't is this class mm -hmm. thing signaling all of that 
totally separate from the music mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. We all pretend the rock snob thing, taken to the nth degree. Yeah. And um, all I do is as I, as I roll over and over that, I just go, when is it not fun? When do we cross the line to not fun? Now, I know nothing about sports. I don't care about yeah. sports. But I do know that it's supposed to be fun tribalism. But then there's a moment when they kill each other at soccer match right. where I don't think it's fun anymore. Yeah. You know, it's and like Carl Wilson's Let's Talk About Love. Let's Talk okay. About Love. It's Thank an you. incredible book. Yeah. So I watch my children do this stuff that is 100% harmless. Mm-hmm. You know, when I thought the mothers were a great band and who would ever play James Taylor? Mm-hmm. You know, that was harmless. And it's harmless up until you get to QAnon. And then that's a club you really want to be part of. I mean, no one understands this, but uh, the, some of the stuff that I've read about QAnon uh, say that it's, it's all about friendship mm-hmm. and a lack of loneliness. Sure. It's not about information at all. And you want to go, Jesus, what's right? And then you go, oh, well, that's me on everything too. And I, I just want to, um, I just want to try to constantly remember that. And constantly remember that um, even though I made appearances on talking head TV shows saying stuff, and they put libertarian under my picture or something, that uh, eventually we have to deal with real issues. Mm -hmm. Eventually there is a young woman in Mississippi that needs an abortion. And going on and saying outlandish stuff on TV and making a joke, I guess we still got to do that. But there's 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 real work to do. You know, I, I had the other uh, the other thing of being in Australia when a lot of the um, January six hearings were going on, and uh, when the Supreme Court ruling uh, on uh, Roe v. Wade came down, and that also gives you another perspective. Yep. I also I've been wanting to say this like. It doesn't fit in here, but I've been wanting to say it. I also uh, listened to the Obama book, The uh, Promised Land. Mm -hmm. And uh, LOD, Lawrence O'Donnell, had said to me a lot of times, he said, you know, every argument you make for libertarianism, Obama can make better than you. He can make that argument better. He really understands it. And that always really took me as a really powerful thing. Now, I disagree with Obama on, I don't know, everything, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. But listening to that book was a remarkable experience because he talks about health care, and he makes the arguments that I made and want to make and better make. It's what's called the, uh, the steel man, right? You, mm-hmm. Instead of the uh, straw man, you make mm-hmm. the position strong. He makes it really strong and then says, I'm making that decision. I'm making a different decision, but this is, I understand the opposite. Now, when it comes down to war and shit, I couldn't disagree more, but he really, and he understands the position of Gandhi and Martin Luther King. He really does. He just made a different decision. And I think what needs to be required from a politician is even though I disagree with Obama on an awful lot, and even though you can make the argument and I think you can make it very, very well that Trump's change in policy was not that different or maybe in many of the things we really care about better 
than Obama's. I think I need to require among the people I put in the power of leadership, I need to require that they have the sensibility of Obama where he seems to be sanely making decisions. I would rather have a decision made incorrectly by someone who is sane and weighing the options that I would have a a decision made correctly by a lunatic. Right. And I think that may be my summation of the Obama Trump thing. Right. Because I I really think I need and maybe this is some sort of um like people who believe in conspiracy theories having to have a father figure that they can blame. Mm. Maybe it's just that uh I just want who's sitting in that cockpit you know, as I'm the passenger, to be someone who uh, actually understands what's going on, even if the net effect is not that. So big. even if they're crashing the plane, <laughs> they are. You like, put it oh, right oh, there. You put it right in the plane. Biden. As soon as you put in the plane, you knew that plane was crashing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, was, over, there was nothing else he could have said. Yeah, it, there was, you had no, no free no, will I, no. whatsoever there. I'm you about had to, to say, even if the yeah. plane is crashing. Um, and I, I, we're already in the cheap seats here. We're already eating the bodies. So we're, like, we're like a South American soccer team on this side of the microphone who uh, didn't have, incidentally didn't have to eat anybody oh is that right no oh well uh, can we talk about veganism <laughs> yeah i mean they were in the jungle yeah. it was a plant-rich environment they exactly. could have gotten better protein how is that going for you and and i want to well before we move on to that i I appreciate what you said, and Tonight also in a very special seven-hour interview. <laughs> <laughs> I just what? kept putting fast forward to get to the veganism. Yeah, uh, what yeah. can of bees are you opening now, sir? Uh, well, what I was going to say is that I—I I mean, I think that's really a great way of of clarifying where you are and why that you know why that matters, and I think that resonates with a lot of people. And it's as long as we're all. Uh, you know, to me, the, the the real epidemic in America, or one of them, is like nobody is arguing in good faith. So that it's just that, you know. And the fucking word evil. Yeah. Can we just ban that word? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, as crazy and as misguided as people are, evil is a supernatural concept. No, it's it's a pre-modern theological cons you yeah. know, imputation of something, yeah. yeah. And yep. the idea that every discussion is about gamesmanship instead of an actual discussion. Right. For and sure. I have, you know, I have my, my good friend, Robbie, who, wor who works with us, mm. who says all the modern breakdown we're experiencing, Trump and everything else, is Hillary Clinton's fault. Yeah. It's when she was running for Senate in New York and everybody said, well, she's kind of scummy, but she's our scummy. Mm. That's when everything broke down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, willing, I'm willing to roll it back to like the Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I like that search for a moment you know, when, every, when everything began. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that we need that. But I do think we need the process going forward of having these conversations and, and steel manning people and then also understanding. And I appreciate your, you know, talking about like, where, where am I coming from in a conversation? Because that never happens or it rarely happens where people are willing to say, this is who I am. This is where I'm coming from. And it means my viewpoint is limited and is going to change for me to bring it back, bring it all back home to Bob Dylan. What I like <laughs> about that is that he's constantly changing. Um, and that's, that's a good thing. Like if, you know, if you were the same person you were 40 years ago, 
that would be kind of a tragedy, right? And we're also we we're learning that on the other side too. I think I think that the idea that someone changes should not be a gotcha moment, right? It should be the opposite. It should be a celebration. So you want to celebrate Bill Gates for finally admitting that he went to Richard Epstein or uh, sorry uh, Jeffrey Epstein's island, right? Sure. Yes. Yeah. That should yeah. actually be praised. <laughs> yeah. Like if someone was like, yeah, that was a mistake, but I did it. Right. Yeah. And I lied about it earlier. You should be like, let's treat him a little differently than how we were treating him. I agree. Uh, very quickly, veganism. When I last interviewed you, you were, you came out with your book, mm -hmm. uh, Presto, yep. uh, where you had lost a hundred pounds. You seem to have mostly kept it off. Yeah. Uh, I, you have about 31. I, I lost yeah. more than a hundred, lost about 130, about 30, right. 30 have come back on now. 20 have come off. So yeah. it's always a battle. Uh, what I wanted to ask you about, uh, regarding that, um, cause partly inspired by you, I went on a vegan diet for mm -hmm. several years. Um, and, um, I enjoyed it. I, I stopped doing it after a while because it, it wasn't working for me health-wise. Um, but you have also, one of the things that was remarkable in the book, you, you kind of crowed about being an unethical yeah. vegan yeah. Um, because you said you were just doing it for health yeah. reasons, essentially. You have become an ethical vegan. Mm -hmm. And can you talk a little bit about yeah. what that means? Boy, that was, a nut, that was a nutty thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, and it's also happened to almost everyone I know that went through that. Mm -hmm. I forgot the, the the woman's name who who wrote uh, "Why do we wear cows, eat pigs, and keep dogs?" or something. Mm -hmm. Some book with some title like that. I heard her interviewed. I didn't, didn't, didn't read the book. Heard her interviewed. She made this point that nobody, eh, and I mean that nobody is not the real nobody, right. but nobody feels good about uh, uh, industrial farming. No, nobody feels good about that, factory farming. No one would sit in a pig slaughterhouse and go, I'm sure glad I eat pulled pork. Mm. Uh, nobody would do that. So we spend so much time with this resolution of cognitive dissonance where you say, well, I don't like that factory farming, but I want a cheeseburger now, you know. And when you take that cheeseburger away and you're not eating it for health reasons, all of a sudden the muscles that you had developed to justify the eating of meat mm. and the justifying of the cruelty just go away. Right. <laughs> they just simply go away. I had this incredible arsenal of uh, personal arguments mm -hmm that allowed me to eat meat. And then I stopped eating meat, and those arguments, whether they were valid or not, doesn't matter. Right. I just stopped making them to myself. Yeah. So when all of a sudden I was confronted with this amount of suffering, I didn't have them at my fingertips anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't have my quick answer because I just, I just got so lazy. So you freed up, you know, kind of like uh, computing capacity for yeah. other things, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, the one thing is I remember arguing with a vegan back when I wasn't, when I was a carnist, I guess you want to say. Mm. And him saying, well, you know, the, the suffering of chickens is like the suffering of people. This right. is the Holocaust. Now, and this is the head of PETA years ago made this, you know, going, terrible Going uh, insane. Analogy and that like, is so easy yeah. 
It's a shame because normally when we call something else a holocaust, we're usually dead on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it really does bring out the best argument normally. Yeah. And, uh, Assuming it happened. Right. <laughs> That was the problem with the PETA argument, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you were so easy to dismiss. Yeah. So easy to dismiss. And it, it just came to me, and I'm sure others have made this argument, but it came to me alone that I just said, wait a minute. We don't have to argue about chicken suffering versus human suffering or cows' love for their calves versus humans' love for their children. We don't have to make that argument at all. What if the suffering of one million chickens adds up to the suffering of one person's stub toe. Doesn't matter. We right. still like a little less suffering. Hmm. I think that the PETA overstating of that argument is what completely fucked me up. Yeah. Because if you make it a very minor thing, like if you just want to say, boy, slaughterhouses smell bad and make me feel creepy. Hmm. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, as And a- then, then the environmental... You know, yeah. if if people went vegan, it's 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 bigger than all the cars, right? You know, so which don't taste good anyway, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, as a as a final point, we go uh, tied in with the rapture. I would oh, I would love to <laughs> now just eating that. cars. Yeah, trust me. I, I every every time I see a car, like if I'm driving down the highway and a car is just like obviously crashed, mm-hmm. I'm looking for do they have the if the rapture comes, this car will be driverless, wow. and I'll be like, come on. <laughs> You know, but We're I know talking I'm talking about I'm two different left. things. Yeah. I was talking about Rapture, the single by Blondie. Oh, where she oh, said, sorry, now they're no. only eating cars. Yeah, no, I'm I, Cadillacs and Subaru. I speak of Bob Dylan's Rapture. Very quickly, <laughs> um, you know, because this, and this brings us back to libertarianism, because it seems to me, uh, whatever people might say and whatever you might say, you're still profoundly libertarian and that you believe that, you know, people should have respect and dignity, autonomy, mm-hmm. empathy, and choice in their life like that's what matters like to become who you want to become there's limits within it and stuff but when we talk about veganism vegans and i think this is unfair often but they often are stand-ins for people who are so shrewish and and so zealous and so self-righteous they're like christians you know in this way isn't that all that all all that uh, uh that joke about you know how can you tell if someone's a cross trainer or someone's right, a yeah. vegan? They tell you exactly. I mean, there's, yeah. there's yeah, all yeah, those yeah. jokes, but you and they're all accurate. But you you believe it, uh, you and the statement that you just made, which is a great argument for it and things like that. But you don't believe that you you have the right to force people to believe a certain way or to think uh, a certain well, way. Well, you right? know, it, uh, like how do you, how do you maintain that integrity once you have been once pa- the truth is revealed? To you? Pacifism and Atheism and libertarianism Mm -hmm. are all exactly the same. How much right do I have to use force on someone else? Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got to bring her back around to this. Fearing not, I become my enemy in the instant that I preached. I mean, that's one of the lines. (laughs) Yeah. One of the 5,000 lines of Bob Dylan that come back to me all the time. From my uh, back pages, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're arguing for the limit of force... Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, listen. Let's take it out of Bob Dylan for a second. If uh, we must, let's go to as, li- as long as we're not putting it in Phil Oaks. I'm good with it. How about we go to Cracker? Okay, very good. Uh, very good. I don't know what the world may need, but I sure as hell know it starts with me, hmm. and that's a wisdom I've laughed at. I tried to get anybody in my social circle to realize that that was the most important thing written to me right now. 
the past four years, five years, that is the man- mantra that goes over and over again in my Would head. Would you repeat it again? I don't know what the world may need, but I sure as hell know it starts with me, and that's a wisdom I've laughed at. And it's that pause that fucking kills me yeah. because he lets you sit with, and that's a wisdom. And you go, yeah, yeah I suppose yeah. that I laughed at. Yeah. I'm afraid that my pacifism and and all these things kind of tie together. And uh, if people in the libertarian movement feel that I betrayed them, Judas, uh, my my. <laughs> Play fucking <laughs> loud, right? When they yelled, yeah. you Judas to Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. he counted off the song by going, play fucking loud. Mm-hmm. That was one, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's what I'm saying. Right. If you want to say I'm a Judas, I say play fucking loud. No, I, um, in the narrative, which is not true, right. you know, in the narrative that I feel, the story that I tell myself about my life, when I look back on the time, it was having to look at that email and say, I will not be at a rally telling people not to wear masks. Now, if we got to the point where are we going to talk about a mandate and stuff, we'd have a long, long, long discussion. But in that June or July of 2020, I was not going to be a person telling people not to wear masks. All right, Burr. I, uh, I'm sure you were expecting to hear this about 90 minutes ago, but I think we're going to leave it there. <laughs> Good. Matt, thank you so much. Oh, Penn, thanks for having me, yeah. Thank you. And then Penn, you'll say. Oh, and that was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. You become naked. Talked enough. We can just clap. Just have six more things, then we're out of here. <laughs> Where are we with the PGA versus the LIV golf leagues? Can we get into that? You know we love you. Hey Matt, yeah. you got anybody to thank? Do I? Time to thank loyal members of the congregation who support us over at patreon.com slash pen. Placida Scott, Dante Peace, Damian Martin, Adam Luce will sorely miss Michael Goudeau, Timo Tihoff, Mark Pickenheim, Miriam Engels, Scott Kelly, Kelly M., Adam Bersons, Matthew Applehands, Fractured Adventures, Carlos Alvarez, Nicholas Emerson, Michael Cornwall, Ross Devereaux, Rue Dudley, Ryan Matthews, Jeff Bacher, Eric Dobell, Michael Torbay, Ilan Lee, Jacob McCulley, Nicole Martin, Crazy Cat Lady Scoop, Nick Hemsing, and Music Man. Thank you so much.